I'm calling Ben Lawrence on the phone, because it's podcast time. Podcast time today. Woo woo. Yeah, that's right. Podcasting. It's a thing. Boogity. People do. Hey, Ben. How's it going? Good, good. How are you? You know, I got to tell you, um, when you send me your your uh, audio file and I put the show together, it's always interesting to see what I caught you in the middle of saying when I pick up the phone. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's a little. It's just a. It's a fun little treat for you, Ben. That's yeah. well. Sometimes that's basically it. Sometimes it's a fun little treat for the audience because sometimes I leave that in. Oh, nice. You can tell I don't listen to our show. <laughs> that's okay. Probably. Nobody else does. How are you? Hey, I'm doing okay. Um, it's. I'm telling you, it's really going to take off. Like, 50 years from now, people are going to be like, what? Have you heard these two guys? They, they talk uh, in English. 50 years Can ago. Can you imagine? 50 years ago, they, they had these conversations every week, and they didn't expect anybody to listen to them. And for 50 yeah. years, nobody did. Exactly, but now, yes. let's show them the respect of still not <laughs> listening to them. Let's cut to them now. Why am I not dead? <laughs> I demand to be murdered. Um, so, yeah. Uh, uh, here's what happened. Uh, I was playing Beat Saber uh, on the PSVR. Beat Saber, Ben, is a game, if you don't know what it is, it's like you have two lightsabers, basically. Yeah. Um, but they're not called lightsabers. They're, I don't even know if they're called beat sabers, but that's, they're, they're lightsaber looking things and these cubes are coming at you and you cut the cubes with the lightsabers. Yeah. And it is a perfect game for PSVR because you don't have to move around. You're standing in one place. They come to you and you like swing your, uh, your sabers at them. It's yeah. great. It's it, it, it really It sounds fun. And I got to tell you, I've only just have heard of this game. Uh I only just heard of this game yesterday. Oh really? And the reason I heard yeah. of this game yesterday is because somebody posted on Reddit a video where they played Beat Saber to the South Park song Kyle's Mom is a Bee. Oh. Wait a second. Are you saying that you can actually make your own I've just been using their default songs. I didn't know that I could. I don't see it. That's the thing. I to, don't know if this was like a homemade hack that this person did, or if it. I think it might or, be, yeah. it, or maybe that song was just like a, a like a DLC or something. I don't know. Gotcha. Because well, one of the things about Beat Saber that's really kind of cool is that the at least the ones that you come you the the things that come packaged with the game you know what i mean when you buy it there are songs on it yeah um the like all great rap songs are about how the person is a rapper all the beat saber songs are about how you're playing beat saber <laughs> so that's kind of cool at least at least all the good ones there i i i haven't listened to all of them but the ones that i i go to time and time again uh it's like a guy saying, "We're playing, we're playing, we're playing Beat Saber" and stuff like that. <laughs> um, but you know, you hit them. the The beat part is you're hitting things in rhythm. Right. <clears throat> now, um, what? Uh, what's the UI? Do you have little like nunchucks in your hands that you use for the sabers? What do you um, use? 
Okay, so so yeah, the PSVR um, has these two kind of wand-like controllers. They look a lot like a like an old-fashioned ball mic, kind of. Okay. Um, yeah, but you you have these two things, in, and and so you're holding basically the hilts of the sabers, and then the sabers. Oh, and right. there's a glowing ball on the top of of the controller that the camera sees, right? So it knows where the top of the controller is. Yeah. And then it mimics, you know, the blade for it. So it's it's really nice. But what what happens is you're kind of immersed in your own little world, you know, playing the, with the music and the sound and stuff. And so occasionally <laughs> you're worried that maybe you'll hit someone yeah. or whatever. Um, I heard it's- Jennifer uh, talking. Uh, my wife, Jennifer, Jennifer Fact Checker. No corrections today, by the way. Okay. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm... I'm hearing her talking. I think she's talking to me. I take the virtual headset off, and there are two police officers. <laughs> in your house? Which was, yeah, well, in the doorway of our house, <laughs> which was jarring. Uh, it turns out, though, they just, um, my next door neighbor's uh, house had the front door open, and the house is abandoned, apparently. Your neighbors have abandoned and their house? Uh, yeah, it seems like it. And huh. and they were asking if we knew who lived there or who owned it or any of that kind of stuff. And we didn't. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, Jennifer's like, I could find out for you. Because she's Jennifer Fact Checker. She, she can she has the internet. find out who owns property. Yeah. And I said, well, well, there you go. There's a, there's a possible, uh, you know, future employment. And she was like, as an informant for the police? <laughs> Uh, which I, I liked, um, but, but still, you know, she, um, she doesn't just have skills for this podcast. She uh, is well, that I'm glad good. because th- this isn't, a, a, a something that she can make money on or, well, um, at yeah. least not yet. I mean, any more than any of us, I suppose. Right. Uh, that wouldn't that be, you know what? I, I honestly think that would be fair. If Jennifer is the first person to make money off of this podcast, <laughs> for having to put up with well, all that. I mean, it makes sense. Once right? we once we net any money, um, uh, so uh, speaking of how kind of, and I don't think this is too inside baseball, but but when Annex Theater started paying someone, having a paid employee, it was the guy doing the administrative work. Yes, you know because that's a that's a good. <laughs> That's a it's good thing to do. The work that nobody else wants to do for free, essentially. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Pay that person. So, uh, speaking of how you can be immersed in your own world uh, when you have a VR headset on, which, granted, is the purpose of the headset, uh, there's this commercial true, out. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen this. I think it's a car commercial, actually. And If it's a commercial, I probably haven't, because I don't watch television with commercials, and I don't really watch that much uh internet with commercials yeah well i've seen it because i I watch a fair amount of youtube videos and this is a pre-roll commercial for some videos and um so so i'll just i'll just describe for you as much as i can and then afterwards you maybe if i find it uh, well i'm not going to force our audience to uh, watch a commercial i'm not going to give the car company that much more ad revenue however so this is the commercial yeah. So it's a gal. It's a young woman. Uh, she's talking about how uh, 
it's oh my god, I wish I could remember the message. But something like she and it looks like one of her friends, her female friends, are loading this car, and they're like moving uh-huh. in together is a big step. And and then she and so so they're putting furniture into this car, and she's you know talking more and more about how you know moving in together is a big life changing moment. And then she walks into this walks into this like empty apartment. And there's a dude in the middle of the floor, like just sitting in a chair with a VR headset, like playing. Maybe he's playing Beat Saber, and and ah. the, the voiceover says something Jeff never realized. And then she closes the door, and like Jeff takes off the VR headset and like looks around, like huh? And then it shows this car driving off into the sunset. And metaphorically speaking, I don't think it literally drives off into the sunset, but it's a it's a car. Wait, is she moving out of the apartment that, where Jeff is? That is my. That is my question. I mean, so on first on first viewing, when I saw this commercial, I'm like, was she was she just having her friend help her move into her boyfriend's apartment, and then like decided not to, or is she moving out of her ex boyfriend's apartment to move in with her new girlfriend? I think. See, I think that that sounds more like what, uh, in in a perfect world, that would be the commercial. Yeah, Jeff doesn't know that his girlfriend's moving out because he doesn't pay attention. Right. Yeah. Right. I think that's. I mean, a, I mean it, I, but you you can take it both ways. I mean, if, if 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 they could probably, you know, this car company can probably sell this commercial in markets that are traditionally homophobic. And, uh, yeah. and say and just say no. The message is that you know the uh, she and this he, guy, you know, men are from Mars and women are from Venus. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, but I think you're right. Um, I think the I'm right. one thing that that I I I still remember Super Bowl commercials after uh, Donald Trump won the presidential election were so crazy because you know these things are big affairs, right? And so the people who who had these commercials thought that they were writing Super Bowl commercials for a Hillary Clinton presidency. Right. And there were a bunch of them. One of the ones that got the most flack was um, this guy, or no, not this guy, this this woman and her daughter are going up to uh, the United States and there's a wall and this company has built a door that allows them to get into the wall. Yeah. And at the time that they wrote the commercial, they probably were expecting, you know, there was all this rhetoric about this wall and they're showing that, you know, there's opportunity and all that, but it became a very, very subversive. Yeah. Uh, commercial. Yeah, I people remember. got mad at them and stuff. I remember that. And, and so it's weird, you know, cause they were reading the room, uh, and ended up, it's that Overton window, you know, as soon as, Trump became president, all of a sudden saying that people shouldn't be locked out of the United States was a, <laughs> a, a daring message. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, speaking about which, uh, still not paying attention to the news or on Twitter, so I don't know what's going on in the world, uh, which is kind of interesting. Have you, have you heard of the MAGA kids from the Catholic high school? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh. See, look at that. Yeah, I'm that's, that's, living in blissful ignorance. That's been the the biggest news story the past week. Uh, that there are some kids 
uh, at a Catholic high school who were doing something bad. All right, let me is, uh, is let, that, let's see if you can let's see if you can guess what the story okay. is just based on uh, some, there's so there's there's kids from a Catholic high school. Yeah, most of them are wearing MAGA hats. Yeah, and there are Native Americans involved. Oh man! And so okay, can you? I'm gonna go with the with the most the the best idea, like the best possible uh, version, rather than what I would normally do, which is the pessimistic version. Right. Um, best possible. They. Uh, a whole bunch of kids from Catholic high school wearing uh, MAGA hats in order to um, rehabilitate the image that uh, Trump supporters have at this time, volunteered uh, and helped clean up uh, a Native American uh, reservation because the shutdown uh, has removed uh, a lot of the essential services that uh are being provided it's um am i close it's a it's a beautiful fiction with which you weave but uh no you are you are okay. not close so oh that's too bad there was a picture that came out from washington dc and i don't it, like it already it's uh just the still image that's everywhere it's um a kid he's probably no oh, he's probably like 16 17 uh, he's okay. wearing he's wearing a MAGA hat and he's got this smug right. smile on his face, and he is Ooh, and he's okay. basically in a face off with a Native American elder, um, uh, an, indi okay. an indigenous fellow <laughs> who is actually a Vietnam veteran. And uh, once you see the picture, I mean, the picture tells a complete story in itself, just based yeah. on the fact that this kid is wearing a red hat and he's got this. Really, can I can't describe it in any other terms than a smug smile. Okay. Now, um, there are a number of different videos that have come out about this encounter, and it's an interesting... I, uh, videos about, like, uh, and, and I, I don't mean to stop you right away, but are there videos surrounding the encounter, or, or are they, like, hot takes that people are posting? No, the, videos, the videos that were filmed during the event. Okay, perfect. And so right. you can, uh, and now a disclaimer, I have not watched any of these videos because I don't really care to. Um, yes. But uh, uh, from what I am told, depending on who shot the video, that is where you uh, uh, feel who the victim in all of this is. Uh, okay. Now, uh, so the basically the bullet points of the story is... There, there was a, uh, a protest by uh, what are called the Black Israelites at, oh, on the sure. Lincoln at the um, Lincoln Memorial, I think. Wow. And, okay. Now, and so, so there, they were ha they were protesting. Uh, there was a Native American group there who also had a permit to protest, and of course, these two groups are not on the same side. And right. there was, um, there was a, a Catholic school group from Covington Catholic High School. I forget where it was, but they were in okay. D.C. They were in D.C. to participate in a pro-life march. 
Okay. And so the other bullet point is they went up. So the the uh, the black Israelites started yelling slurs at the Catholic kids, based probably primarily on their hats. So the cat yeah. the Catholic kids started to. Sorry, there's a fire engine going by. So the Catholic kids yeah. started to all to like engage. Uh, yeah, and, and singing, you know, singing uh, uh, chants and hymns and whatever. The indigenous uh, group got in the middle to try to defuse the situation. Uh huh. And okay. that's where this picture wow. came from. And there has been a um, there. Uh, it you know, depending on you know, what side of the political spectrum you fall on, and by political spectrum, I mean, are you racist or not racist? <laughs> sure. That's my bias uh, showing through. Um, either you think the, um, you you think the, the kids are uh, being the provoca- the provocateurs? They're being provocative? What, what's that, what's that yeah. term I'm trying to think of? Provocateurs? Uh, or they were just, or they were just innocent bystanders. So, um, and um, and the um, the Native Americans are the ones who who um, created this uh, standoff. But uh, but that's been the big news lately. And uh, the inter- so that's well, the interesting thing is that the the main kid who's shown in this picture standing off against this um, this uh, elder who's also, like I said before, a Vietnam War vet. Yeah. Uh, apparently, he's hired a PR firm and has been making the rounds of the of the like the daily talk shows. Had a commentary on CNN, which I read, and um, and all, and he's still being eviscerated by the left because it's like, you know, you're totally ignoring the fact that you are wearing this hat that is a symbol of you know uh, a symbol of. Uh, you know the current administration and and how they feel about minorities. Yeah, and um, but the but it's fun. It's fun. It's 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 it's, it's interesting seeing the the uh, the the right say how how can the left, you know, he's just a kid. He doesn't know any better. How can you how can you uh, uh, go on this quote witch hunt against him and his family? Yeah, he's just a kid, and then uh, the left is like, "Well, what did your side say about the Parkland survivors?" Yeah, that's what I was gonna. The thing that I was gonna say is that it almost sounds to me, and it's you know, I, I'm not saying that the genesis of this you know happened, but the PR thing afterwards, yeah, right, is kind of like when, um, you know the. This one film company has this movie about uh, a volcano, and so another film company has their film about a volcano now to kind (laughs) of... They don't have their version of the Parkland Kids. Uh, It sounds like, like this might be a PR attempt to take this incident and make their teen, you know... uh, Their team branch, I suppose, and it, which which is interesting, um, if you think about it, because the tragedy that they endured were 
right. being told not to be a, a jerk. Yeah. Which is it, it's you know it's just you know another another uh, data point in the hypocrisy of politics. Um, sure, but you know it's it, so it's it's one of those stories where you if you're on social media at all these days you cannot help but but um, see this picture and read these stories. And uh, now, so yeah, so that's what's ha- that's uh, that's what's been in the news. I don't know if you remember this, but. Um... And I'm being very, I don't know which group, um, that, like, I don't know anything about the branches of black Israelites or anything like that, because there are, there are different, um, degrees of, uh, engagement, yeah, I think within that community, you know, I didn't, I didn't read too deeply because I'd never heard of this group before, and I didn't read too deeply oh. into it. But from from all the accounts that I've that I've read, they were always portrayed as the villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the The thing I was going to say is, uh, if you don't know them, you probably have encountered them before. They were active in Seattle. Um, usually, what it is is a guy. And probably it's sometimes two guys with a microphone. Uh, they, they're kind of they're kind of like uh, at least the people that I the 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 whatever segment of the population of that group because I'm I'm sure that not everyone engages in this kind of proselytizing, but. Uh, Similar to the, um, oh God, who are the people with the signs who, who, uh, protest funerals and, oh yeah, the Westboro uh, Baptist Church. Yeah. The kind of like that in that, um, they go to a public place, a large public place and troll people basically. Right. They try to get argumentative. And one of the big things that I've witnessed, at least this was in Seattle, um, interracial couples, uh, they'll go after them. Okay. And try to engage with I, them. You know, I'm, and... I'm sure that I've seen them before because, I, you know, I am quite familiar with, uh, you know, the streets of Seattle. But um, yeah, I uh, it's one probably one of those groups where I just went out of my way to avoid and to not engage. Yeah. And that's and that's the big thing is that uh, and again like I said small small portion of probably the overall population of this group uh, but they they do seem to part of their um, part of their messaging part of their um, standard operating procedure whatever they want to be confrontational right uh, and challenge people uh, that that would be the best way. I, to put it, um, and so I don't doubt <laughs> that the uh, it sounds like I mean from the way that you're describing it, sounds like probably this uh, that group uh, of Catholic school kids uh, felt like they were being antagonized. Um, I think those feelings responded. were correct. I think they were being antagonized. Right, right, right. Responded. Uh, to that, and then the Native American group sounds like 
were trying to defuse the situation. That's the impression that I get. And granted, like I said, I have not seen any of these uh, any of these videos that have come out. But um, yeah. that's that's what the the uh, narrative has been so far. That I so read. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's also have, you know it's I... it's one of those things because uh, I read this. I did read this um, this uh, piece that this kid allegedly wrote on CNN.com. Which totally sounds like it was written by a, a PR person for damage control. And um, he never mentions the hat, even though that's a very big part of the story. Never, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, I saw, a, I saw a tweet or an Instagram post that is allegedly by this kid's mom. Uh, I don't know if it's true. Where um, after this event, she alluded to uh, the fact that she had wished the early settlers had brought more smallpox laden blankets with them. So you yeah, gotta, that, you know, mm. and so some people have looked into this school and, you know, all the teachers are white. All the students are white. There's maybe one or two people of color in this entire school. Where was where was the school from? I see. I don't remember. Was it a Washington D.C. school, or did they come from? I don't think. Else? I think they came from someplace else. Or Covington. Yeah. Uh, wherever that is. I want to say Kentucky, but I'm going to be wrong. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't remember. But. Uh, <laughs> Pictures yeah, came out. Um, pictures came out of a basketball game between this school and some other school, where these kids in blackface are taunting a basketball player from another school who is, you know, a black teenage kid. Uh, same school? From, no, the... from a different school for the opposing team. Okay, I was gonna say that that would be. So he's he's a he's an African American kid. He's probably no older than sixteen. And... Oh no 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 no! I meant I meant these. A totally different school, or the kids from the same school? Oh, yeah, that Ki- got involved. Kids in- from the same school. They oh, they okay. say That's it's school spirit, but right. you know, Zish. some kid obviously um, uh, is familiar with minstrel shows. Some of the thing, one thing that I'm interested in, uh, or w- I was reminded of uh, that I forgot about is uh, there was a thing out here in uh, Illinois. There's a there's a memorial, quote unquote, to it, or whatever you want to call it. It's a. It's sort of it looks a little bit like a grave marker, but it's this wooden thing, and it's the site of the Wood River Massacre. Okay. Um, and it basically talks about how in Wood River there was an altercation between Native Americans and settlers, and it is written. Um, very pro-settler, I guess, would be the way to right. to describe it. Um, and the wording is pretty much... I don't think it's changed since around the time when it happened, which is, like, I believe, 1814. Yeah. And it just sounded like, um, you know, people were minding their own business, and then this thing happened, and I, it's horrible. I, you know, that kind of thing. When I was in junior high, I went on a road trip with my dad and my grandpa, and we drove through... I think it's in South Dakota where Custer's last stand was. Okay. And there's a whole memorial there. And I want to say, I hope it's changed by now, but I want to say the narrative of all the memorial was from the point of view of the army. Yeah. And that's, and that's what I'm saying is I, my, my, the reason I'm wondering about where those kids were from and all that is that, um, 
Yeah, it, there is no Native American land in Illinois, even though Illinois is named after the Illini tribe. Yeah. Uh, and that's pretty crazy. Um, so when when you, you have uh, people saying things that sound like you'd have to be insane to say them, I'm not necessarily going to write off the idea that the smallpox blanket comment wasn't made by a person right. who was in that. Because, you know, strange things like that happen. When I say strange, I, what I mean by that is they're cut off from anybody who tells them they're doing a bad idea. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like anyone they would listen to, I guess. Right. Because, you know, if, you, if you're if you from, like, you know, one of the coasts telling them that, they're going to say, well, you don't understand how things are here. Um, but people around here do say things to people. Um, it might be because of the college. It might be because of, you know, so so it's a weird kind of cyclical thing, right, where people who live here, need to say things sometimes to people who live here who don't get it because they'd listen to us before they'd listen to someone from the quote-unquote outside yeah. telling them that. The coast. Like, I remember um, there was a mural uh, that had a whole bunch of people on it for uh, that was in, in this town where I live now. Um, and they redid... The mural, it was a mosaic. They redid it because the the person, the African-American person that they had in the mural wasn't um, great. Like, they, they didn't do a good job. It was like a caricature or... Not, not really a caricature. The big thing was, I think, and this is what, this is why, again, you know, people, you have to speak up to other people, um... The person was smiling. Yeah. And was it was it a caricature of a smile, or was it just the fact that that they were depicting someone being happy? You know, in a situation where they really, you know, <laughs> it wasn't like a lynch scene, was it? No, 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 nothing like that. But it was. I mean, there are articles about it. I haven't read them in a while. But but the big thing was that it 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 didn't really capture the uh, African-American experience okay. in Edwardsville. Like, the, there was a uh, segregated school for a while. Right. Um, you know, early on, one of the, the, one of the Harlem Globetrotter guys um, is... In fact, I think the guy who started it uh, went to the school, bought it, and now it's a STEM organization in fine arts cool. area. Yeah. Is uh so, is is Illinois one of those states where they didn't ratify the uh civil rights amendment until like, you know, the seventies? No, I don't well oof. I wanna say no. And the reason I want to say no is Chicago. Um Oh yeah, you, like you have Chicago. Drags the rest of <laughs> Illinois kicking and screaming into the future often. Um That's a good way to put it. No, yeah, we don't I mean, want to be a, progressive. Th- oh, true, true. Yeah, and there's a lot of stuff saying, um, like calling someone a Chicago Democrat is yeah. a code word for saying that you care 
about black people. Right. For example, you know, that sort of thing. I think, I think, um, I don't want to say that that's something that every state has, like, you know, all states are ruled by the, the most progressive city, but Washington is definitely in that category. Seattle drags the rest of the state kicking and screaming along with it. The same with, uh, I I think the same with Oregon too. Uh, yeah. Portland and Salem are, are you know, the the uh, well Salem, you know, is the capital, but Portland's like the big city, and um, and well, it's not like Seattle's capital of Washington, whatever. But there have been there have been motions in the past to um, redefine the Washington and Oregon state lines so that instead of being along the Columbia River on a, you know, on an east west uh, on a on a, a line of latitude. Uh-huh. You split the states uh, on a line of longitude down the middle of the Cascades. So you have the progressive left-leaning coastal areas, you know, and the more conservative inland desert areas of the eastern parts of the states. I could see that. I mean, I mean, I could see that as a, a Cascadia is a thing. Cascadia, yeah. They talk about yeah, it all yeah, the time. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because apparently... And, you know, again, this is something somebody would have to check, but um, Cascadia was a word that at one point in time somebody used uh, for the ethnostate that they were planning, where it was going to be all <laughs> white people. Oh, my goodness. I had not so, heard that. So, yeah, you got to be careful oh, man. Uh, who you're talking to when you pitch that, because <sighs> it's a great name. It's a, I don't, I, I don't want to... There are so many things but, that you have to pay attention to. I was in a, um, I was in an audience of a play recently, and for whatever reason, like somebody had, um, like somebody had like knocked my knee from the next row down, and like to say that everything was okay, I gave, I just quickly gave an okay symbol. I'm like, oh my god, that's such a racist symbol now. I don't, and that's something I don't get. Um, I feel like it's. <clears throat> And I could be wrong about this, right? I, I didn't they like okay in German it means asshole, right? Right. That's a that's a thing. Did they pick it for that reason, or did they? I I want to say that a, a, someone went on record at one point in time saying we could tell them that okay the okay symbol was a white supremacist I- symbol and they'd believe it. Yeah, I don't know the the genesis of it. Um, all I know well, is that make a, it got a when lot. When you make an okay symbol, I mean, it, oh, sorry, go it got a lot. Of, it got a lot of press recently, and as being a symbol of white supremacy. And so, regardless of whether or not the person that I accidentally flashed this symbol to took it in however way, you know, aside from yeah. it, with which was it was intended, I felt really. I don't, paranoid. Well, I'm looking at at the OK symbol. I'm making one now, Ben. I apologize. <laughs> um, but it it does make a W, right? I mean, you've got three fingers up, so maybe that's it. Yeah, maybe I don't that's know. why it's there's a maybe it's not really the OK symbol. Maybe it's the there, you know there's a um, there's a YouTube series that I recommend called ContraPoints. And in it, the the host talks about the the that symbol and and so you should check it out because it's actually a really 
uh, well thought out video series. But it is something that you have to sit back and watch because they put it out. They put out like 25, 30 minute episodes. Contrapoints. Contrapoints. Uh huh. Check it okay. out. Uh, oh, I so am we were, not writing it down because I don't have a pen. <laughs> we were talking about, we were talking about things that come out in twos, and uh, yeah. something else that came out in twos recently. I don't know if you've seen either of these, but are you familiar with the Fire Festival documentaries that are currently on air? I am familiar with a Fire Festival documentary that there was going to be one, but there are two. There's two: a Netflix produced one and Hulu produced <laughs> one. Okay, and when I say the Hulu those, one is the one that I saw. When I say those, uh, they produce them. You know, those they're just airing. So there's one on Hulu and there's one on Netflix. And yeah. um, I watched both of them recently, and uh, and they're both very good. And if you if you if you want to get stressed out while watching a documentary, these are the documentaries yeah. for you. Oh no! Like even though I knew how, like I watched the Netflix one first. And apparently, I did it wrong. You're supposed to watch because it's everybody has an opinion. You're supposed to watch the yeah. Hulu one first. Um, Why? Uh, because I think the uh, the Netflix one is quote better. Oh, okay. So the 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 Hulu one focuses more on the plight of the millennials and the Schadenfreude that everybody else felt when they saw that these rich kids were getting swindled out of a you know a tropical bah- Bahamian uh, concert festival, while the yeah. uh, the Netflix one focuses more on the primary antagonist of the story. <sighs> And and how he was basically his own his own tragic character. Ah, uh, yes. But uh, yeah, it's like w- w- when watching the uh, when watching the the Netflix one first. I, like, even though I knew how it all ended, I still I was still getting like stressed out watching the sh- watching the show because because <laughs> things were you know you, you're watching this guy and his team make these terrible decisions. Yeah, and you also you know, you, I, you also kind of put you want to put yourself in the in the place and and you want to be like, well, would I have gone along with these bad decisions knowing what I know now? I feel so good about the fact that I never did any sort of Patreon or um, Kickstarter for a comic or a novel or any of that kind of stuff because everything that I hear uh, about people like me and when i say people like me i mean people who aren't like if you're if you're a filmmaker yeah right and you kickstart a film really all that's basically changing is where the money is coming from all the other things about making a film uh you already know that you've already done it you've already you know right run into that issue one of the things that um that someone once said about being a filmmaker is um, you always end up hating the film that you're doing and feeling like a fraud and feeling like you're going to let everybody down. (laughs) As you get more experience as a filmmaker, that happens later and later in the process. That's definitely true. Which I I like. Um, But for, for this sort of thing... Uh, when you're, when you've never done it before, 
right? So like, um, there's this there's this person who kickstarted uh, a comic book, and they promised a whole bunch of stuff, and it just kept on getting uh, worse and worse. Um, it's happened a couple of times, I think. At least in one of them, the the person ended up like filming themselves burning everything that they had worked oh, on up until that point. <laughs> I mean, we've it, all been it's there. Really I, crazy. I empathize, man. Yeah. I, so I think it was Rob Liefeld who kickstarted a comic, and it took years for him to deliver, and if he has delivered at all. I think when I when I brought this now, up to the comic book uh, to the to Comics Dungeon, they mentioned that he had slowly started to release stuff. But but you remember the uh, Jordowski's Dune that that documentary? Yeah. Um, that guy who's still alive. Alejandro Jordowski, I believe, is his Jod- name. Jodorowsky. Gesundheit. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's. Are you sure? I watched. Did you watch you the documentary? Sure? That's how they pronounce it in the documentary. Jodorowsky. Oh man. Jodorowsky or Jodorowsky? I, something. I think it's Jodorowsky. But the J is not. The J is right. a, a Y sound. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> Um, but but here's the thing I I paid for his Kickstarter, and he being a you know a filmmaker who has been around forever and all that his film is being made and is made and yeah. all that he he's this is like the second one that he's done so far. So you know it's it's good for him you know that sort of thing. How but do, other people crash and burn when they try to do this stuff. Right. How do you feel about kickstarting projects by established creators? As I have uh, mentioned uh, earlier when I was introducing this idea, for them, right, for the people, it's just, you know, that's the money is coming from another right. place. Personally, I think it's fine. So you don't you don't feel like... You don't have that sense of these people can finance their own projects. Why do they need me to do it? No, no, no. Because I know now. Uh, okay, uh, who's who's fin- who financed? Um, you know, a lot of the stuff that uh, I liked at one point in time. Uh, Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> Weinstein. Weinstein. Uh, and now everything that he. Uh, Everything he did, I feel a little bit conflicted on, you know, watching the thing and all that. Whereas if, hey, who financed this movie? 500,000 people. All right. Well, some of them are probably jerks. But overall, I think it's okay. If you're not beholden to a rich person to finance your film, I think uh, the film is going to be more creative. I could be wrong about that. Yeah, but I think it's possible. I don't know. I still have that. I mean, that's a very admirable position, and I hadn't thought of that aspect yet. But uh, I still, I still have that that sense of why do I, why should I do this if if you can do it yourself? Sort of mentality. When it comes to like rich TV stars and movie stars crowdsourcing pet projects. Well, and and again, I. Maybe it's because I have. Tr- okay, I'm just using books as an example because it's the thing that I most experienced with, right? Giraffe and elephant. 
Uh, I sold that book to a publisher. It was great and all that. Mar and the Magicians, there's no way I would, would have been able to sell that in the form that it is. Now, granted, some people would say that having to sell it would have made me make changes that would have made it better. Probably so. The more I revise something, oftentimes the more I like it. But the thing is, in order to do the thing the way that I wanted to do it, not meaning full of spelling mistakes, I tried my best. <laughs> um, do you somebody, cor- do you, somebody wrote... Do you correct it as you find those? Yeah. Um, well, I try to. Yeah. I thought I did a really... I thought I did a good job. But yeah, you could update. You could update it because uh, it's on-demand publishing. Right. Um, but I thought I did a pretty good job, but... One of the people, uh, an online friend of mine, in fact, uh, gave a review and said, it was good. The only thing is a glaring spelling mistake. I'm like, where? (laughs) Don't write it on Amazon. Write to me and tell me where they are and I'll fix them. Uh, But but you know what I mean? Uh, So I think I, I feel like if. I am going to pay an artist that is established and wealthy to do something. It needs to be something that I want to see that I don't think they would be able to do on their own. Uh, As an example, this isn't a Kickstarter, um, but uh, Mandy, right? Uh, the film uh, starring uh, Nicolas Cage. I don't know if I've uh, heard, I don't know if I've heard of this one. It was produced by Joseph Gordon-Levitt's production company. Not no no not Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Forget all of that. Bzzz, everybody, forget it. Um, Check or disregard. Who who's the who's the guy who played Frodo? Frodo, Elijah Wood. Yeah. Elijah Wood's production company. I did not Sorry. know he had one. Joseph, the reason I think of Joseph Gordon-Levitt is because I had a parallel thing I was going to say. He has a um, he has an art collective. I don't know if it's still around or not. Hit Record? Called Hit Record, yeah. Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit Record. And Hit Record, uh, do you feel bad about that? I don't know enough or about it. Or do you it. like it? It's a... It Basically, it's a... It, as a, a creative collective, you know, and you, you want to make a thing. Uh, okay, who does animation? Okay, you guys are the animation people. Who does music? You guys are the music people. And it's all internet-based, right? So he's sort... People he, aren't getting... He's, he, he, he gets his fans to give him stuff for free? Well, this is the thing. People aren't getting paid for it, right? They're all doing stuff together. And how do you feel about that? You know, um, the the thing I'll tell you this: uh, I feel a lot better about all these things. Uh, oh, oh, what I was going to say: Elijah Wood's production company made it, and because Elijah Wood's production company made it, they were able to make it really weird and all that because <laughs> he cared about it and he liked the script and all that kind of thing. Uh, but what I was going to say is. Since I started making a living not trying to do art, I am much more open to the idea of artists doing stuff 
for free for other artists. Like, uh, and by that, like, as an example, Amanda Palmer, right? Yeah. Amanda Palmer comes to town uh, and she gets uh, other musicians to play for her. Right? Hey, do you want to play for Amanda Palmer? Come here and bring your ukulele and your French horn and all that. And some guy is like, I'm a French horn player. And because this person's playing for free, I don't get the gig and I don't, you know, get the money. And, and this is bad for me. And this is, you know, you, uh, you're walking. That, this is you're, bad. You're, this is bad of her to use these other people. You're instead walking of that fine line between artists getting. So that satisfaction of playing with and or for Amanda Palmer getting that, you know, possible exposure that might get them more gigs and compare that with Amanda Palmer making money off of your labor as an artist. And what I would say is this, um, if you are playing for Amanda Palmer for free to get another gig, right? That is, that is a weird, you know, thing to choose from, right? If this person likes Amanda Palmer, they have an opportunity to play with her, and they would do it for free, then her using them is good. <laughs> now, I'm, uh, I, I'm not... For, for, for both of them, because they, uh, you know, it's a business transaction. I want to do this for free. I want you to do this for free. Great, we're going to do this for free. Super. The other person over here who wouldn't do it for free... And who doesn't like the fact that this person, you, the, I guess the hard part for me, and I, I know that there are a lot of artists that I'm friends with who would not necessarily think this is true or would fight against this idea and all that. But if, if Amanda Palmer asked you to do a gig for, and she was going to pay you $10,000, and then someone else came up and said, hey, I'll do it for free. And then she canceled on you? That's bad. In bird culture, that's but, considered a dick move. But if you weren't even offered this job, that's the, other, that's the thing, right? I, I'm thinking, again, talking about the Brian Cranston thing, right? Yeah. A person saying, I'm a quadriplegic actor. I don't get a chance to do starring roles. And I am upset that Brian Cranston is doing it. The only issue that I have with that statement, and this is a kind of a dick move on my part, and I understand it, and I apologize for it ahead of time, but is it possible that you wouldn't have been asked to be in it? You know what I mean? <laughs> I the same like like the person who's oh Anna Ferris broke up with you know, this guy. And why 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 was she dating him in the first place? He's a jerk. The idea is that you were going to date on a Ferris when in fact you maybe weren't going to. That's the thing I'm saying. Uh if if you say I am a working musician and this person worked with her for free, she should have been paying me to work for it. There is a chance that you wouldn't have gotten that I think, gig anyway. I think there's there's a sense of entitlement here that I don't, I don't think plays into the money concept. Let's just put that aside where it's um, like a professional versus amateur, right? 
So, yeah. um, you know, I. <clears throat> it's 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 not about whether you deserve something. It, for me, at least, this is where I'm coming from. It's not it's not whether yeah. you deserve something. It's it's whether you are are. I don't want to say like compensated, but I guess that's the best word for for what you've done for somebody who has means to compensate you. Now, I I am all about artists doing art for other artists. God knows I have convinced my artist friends to do a crap ton of free things for me. And the way I my conscience is clear is that I'm not making money off of any of it. Right. right, but if 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 like let's say Mike Doty comes to town and he's like, I need a drummer, and I'm like, I'll drum for you. I'm not a drummer, but he's like, All right, get on up here, and I play a song with him. That's a that's that's that would be an event of a lifetime, right? I would I would cherish right. that for the rest of my life. Let's say he puts that single out that I played on and makes a lot of money off of it. Then I start to think, Well, wait a minute. I'm on that song too, you know. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I freely gave I freely gave you my efforts, but if you're if you're buying a new house off of what I gave you, I might think twice about doing that ever again. Now, okay, so what we're talking about is on a smaller scale, though, which is and, and uh, because this is important in the in Amanda Palmer case. Uh, She's doing a gig. She's getting paid for the gig, right? Yeah. It's not the you know, maybe it is recorded and sold later, but if she isn't if she isn't sharing money with the other artists that play with her, right? And this is where it gets tough. Would people have come to see you play if Amanda Palmer wasn't there. <laughs> the chances are probably not. Oh, hey, now. At least That's not, not at a very that nice scale thing to say. That. People will come see me. I'm kidding. I get your point. I know. No, not you, Ben. Not you, Ben. This, this hypothetical person. So, so that's the tough thing, right? And again, I, I go back to the idea. It's up to, it's up to the artist's who are working together, right? Like there's, there's a, there are people that I have done work for, for free. Right. Uh, and I've, I've done really, you know, a lot of work for them for free. There are other people who, before I spend five minutes doing anything for them, they're going to have to pay me. This, and it's all about how I feel about the person. Yeah, and uh, but you know what I mean. This all this this all comes back to um, an established author, filmmaker, movie star, songwriter, crowdfunding something for their next project, right? And uh, from what I understand, your point is you would rather help them crowdfund because you know that they're going to be free to do whatever they want, and by circumstance by not being beholden to a studio or a label, it's going to be better. My feeling... It's going to be better in some way. Yes. My feeling is this person has money to do that anyway. 
Right, and and I guess this is this is my this is my take on it. Uh, it's because because we really are talking about the same thing. <laughs> if whether it's the artists, except you know, I'm donate more their stingy money. with my Kickstarter dollars. Apparently, no, 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 no. It's that. Well, no. I mean, I don't kickstart a lot of things uh, at all. Uh, I, th- and this is the th- this is why I think I am able to speak on it because I'm talking from outside of the situation uh, with Kickstarter, right? You give a certain amount of money, you get a thing. Yeah. You get your name in the credits. You get whatever. They've put a price on whatever thing you're going to get. Like, in my case, uh, this this movie that I crowdfunded, I got these things called art dollars or poet poetic money. Uh, and it's this weird, you know, banknote that they created for their... Are they like for their movie Shroot Bucks? Uh, I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's a it's a uh, it's a uh, the Office reference. Okay, essentially um, fake. Well, it's fake money. So we sort of yeah, but the ba- but the main thing is that I said I'm giving them twenty dollars. I'm getting this thing, and also their movie is getting made. Yeah, right. I think the problem. The problem comes into the idea that, or, or it's like, okay, let's say somebody, somebody takes your idea, Ben's idea for a movie, spends $300 million making it, and makes $400 million back. So $100 million in profit. Yeah. Now, since it's your idea, right, technically you should get some of that money. But would your idea on its own have made $100 million? No. And that's the stuff that I'm wrestling with these days. <laughs> this, this new idea, which, you know, because I, I come from the, from the idea that, hey, this is mine. You made my joke. I don't like it. You know that kind of thing. That's that's where I am at my well, core. That's where I am at my base. That's but the idea. Sorry, go ahead. That's the thing about you know, th- art doesn't happen in a vacuum, right? So yeah. you need to. That's that's this is the the atmosphere taking hold of these ideas. Oh, that's the other thing too. Is that um, art? The 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 idea. That the value of art is whether or not you can make money off of it is something that I dislike. Like how much money can you sell your piece of art for? Right. Is is not great, right? Um I don't think I think this is where where this is where we get into maybe the divide, right? I don't think that people should be compensated for their art with money. I think people should have enough money to live and be able to make art. And those two things shouldn't, shouldn't be connected at all. And that is why we have government programs. Right. You, I think, I think that you should, what you should get from your art is love and adoration and people <laughs> who like your art. Uh, and money for art shouldn't matter. 
And it doesn't I, for people who see theater in Seattle. Nobody wants to pay to see art in Seattle. Well, that's and that's the thing is that I I would love it. Wouldn't it be great if you never had to sell tickets? If you could just show up and see a thing, and it's great. You know what is money for? It's for limiting so you don't have too many people seeing it at once. It's to pay for the venue. You know, it would be great if it went to the it. It would be great if if. All we could do, if all we had to do, right? Imagine this, Ben. Robots take care of everything. All we do is put on plays. Well, then... And we have as much money as we want to to put on the plays. And we are never hungry. And we have places to live. Are you, and all you're, that. you're talking about a standard income? Uh, how, how, how very standard... socialist of you, Mr. Goody. Hey, man. I think standard income is a great idea. Um, I work in a capitalist oh. society and I will, and I, I love the United States of America, Ben, but if they introduced standard income, I think it would be great because it would open up the idea that people don't have to work to have well, wait a minute. I value. need a pair of shoes. And so that guy over there made a pair of shoes and I had to buy them from them, buy those shoes from that guy who made those shoes my my vocation is an actor. How come he doesn't have to buy my acting services? Well, the idea is that the shoes would also be given to you by the government. Um, every, all the government, property is government theft, didn't ben. pay for the pro, the, the, for workers, the materials. Then the basic government idea is that the, the workers labor, would control pay, pay for the materials, the means of production. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, comrade, I think we've gone a little long today. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, Betty. Uh, all right. We'll, we'll see if my daughter is a communist or not. What's what's the what's the litmus test for a communist over in oh, Illinois? Oh, you'll see. We'll, we'll, <laughs> or socialist, whatever. What? Hey, Betty, got a question for you. What? Come here. What? Come here. Come here. What? All right. Let's say uh, you could get paid without having a job. You just get paid every month. You don't need a job. You can just do whatever the frick you want. <laughs> would you rather do that or would you rather uh, have a job? I would rather do that. Yeah, but I thought so. But See? so here's here's so here's the here's the. Oh wait, wait. Ben's got a caveat, Betty. What if you could okay. work and make twice as much money than the standard income? What if? What if you could work and make twice as much much money? Then I would do that. Okay, so capitalism. Ben, okay, thanks, Betty. <laughs> Here's the here's the thing about standard income that I like, Ben. Yeah. At least the the versions of it that I've heard. Uh, you get the standard income whether you work or not, but you still get it if you work. Yeah. I think uh, I think a standard income only works if uh, if it is a livable wage. Yeah. Standard income yeah, me is be... meaningless if you still have to have a job. Well, and so then what's and and here's the whole economic part of it, right? Let's say I'm a jerk, right? Let's say I just I just add the standard I take the standard income into account and I make it so that you can't afford to live where I live unless you're working. Ah. Right? That's the that's the easy Welcome to Seattle. Way around that. Yeah, oh hey. <laughs> um have you met our city council? Oh yeah, I, Ben, I, I, I really am sorry that none of your restaurants are open anymore. Once the $15... <laughs> hey, 
How how are you getting on we're, with we're, uh, not being able to go out to eat? We're anywhere? starving over here. Actually, I got to tell yeah. you, I um, there's a pho restaurant across the street from my apartment. Yeah, and uh, I I I almost have got to the point where I have to mark down on my calendar when I go there, just so I don't go there too often. Yeah. <laughs> And it, and I, and if if I ever move, it that's going to be one of the requirements. Like, does it have, does it have laundry inside the building? Does it have like a, a, a protected lobby with mailboxes inside to keep the mail safe? And is there a pho restaurant across the street? Oh man, Ben, keeping the mail safe, I, I can't even imagine. It's it's actually become a problem. It's it's I I I'm actually quite lucky where I live because. Our mailboxes are in in a protected lobby, and your friend of mine, Cole Hornaday, his apartment's yeah. mailboxes just got broken into for like the third time in as many years. See, I thought you were going to say this. Your friend of mine, Cole Hornaday, loves stealing people's <laughs> mail. Well, he might do I'm that. I'm kidding. Too. But also, and here's the here's the best part about my apartment. I can't believe I'm if waxing effusive about my apartment complex, but we have yeah. Amazon boxes. Or Amazon lockers inside our lobby. Are you familiar uh-huh. with what, what an Amazon mean? locker is? Uh, I believe so. Is it that uh, you get a, a do you, okay? How do you get in? Is it a code? It's a code. So what happens is so if you they deliver a package to to the, the Amazon locker. Yeah. You punch in the code and you get your package. Exactly. And so it's not sitting in the lobby where somebody can steal it. It's not sitting in the leasing office, which is what it had, what it used to be. And you had to go there during office hours and when the dude or the gal inside wasn't, you know, with somebody else, which is Can you get rare. it delivered to any Amazon locker you want? Well, see, here's like the thing. Like there was one at Pacific Place now, at one point in time, if I you, remember. If I'm, I have to warn our affiliates we're going to go long today. But if you... If you uh, order from Amazon.com, you can have that package delivered to any Amazon locker in the city. However, the Amazon lockers in my building accept packages, all packages. So if I order from something from eBay, they get put in the Amazon locker. If my mom sends me a box of cookies, it gets put inside the Amazon locker. And how does that work? I actually, it's it's a pretty nifty thing. So the so every package has a barcode, right? And yeah. so what the what the person does the 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 delivery person cites UPS they the they scan the box it's got a little laser, yeah. it's got a little like uh, scanner on it and a door opens so they put the package inside that door and close it and then the so the Amazon locker knows it's for me knows where it is and knows what my email address is so then I get an email saying. You have a package to pick up at, you know, my apartment, uh, uh, Amazon Hub. Here's your six-digit code. Oh, so then I just go down, okay. I punch in my six-digit code, and boop, the door opens, and I get my package. It's the best. Now, here's a question. How many Amazon lockers are there? In my building or in the city? In your building. In my building? Uh, I want to say there's about a... 75 to 100 different slots, all ranging in different sizes. Wow. It's a pretty... Okay. Well, I mean, and there's like, you yeah, know, there's like yeah, yeah. 500 people live in my building, so... Well, because this is the thing, is I, I was I was worried about what happens if packages arrive for everyone yeah. all in the same day. I mean, it's it, uh, like Christmas is obviously an issue. 
Yeah, um, this is a this is a really interesting future thing that I yeah we just don't have that over here. Yeah, we don't need it. I guess it's part of it. <laughs> you probably don't have um, as many porch pirates as over there as we do here. That that is something that has struck me is, um, you know, often I think about crime, Ben. Yeah, I think about crime a lot. Doing and like, it. and like if I if I were a criminal, what would I do? And always it strikes me that probably the things i think would be like easy to do are are things that everyone thinks it's just like whenever as when you first get on twitter everybody makes the same you know couple of jokes and they think they're being really funny and you know they don't know that everybody has made those (laughs) jokes when they first uh same sort of thing yeah um yeah, exactly. Easy crimes, Ben. Crimes are dumb. Don't do don't, crimes, everybody. Don't do crimes. That's the uh, that's the, the takeaway from this whole episode is uh, don't do crimes. Yep, exactly. And uh, I guess with <laughs> and that, with that. Uh, I'll I'll talk to you later. Hey, Ben. I know you know why time seemed to go fast this time. We should argue about art all the time. <laughs> and hey, for those of you who are listening, who are an artist and believe that you. Uh, Deserve a living wage? I think you deserve a living wage, too. I think all artists should get paid if they want to get paid for stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the ones that don't want to get paid, I don't know what, what their deal is, but, I mean, I'd, I do I do things for people and I don't want to get paid because I like their stuff. Right. That is a thing that happens. But I would never, ever, ever do something for free if it was dumb. I guess. I don't know. I've done I mean, I've done free things that are dumb before. Yeah, I guess that's true. Me too. <laughs> Sorry, guys. All right, Ben. Anyway. Keep it wrong, man. Hey, keep it wrong. I'll talk to you. We'll we'll, uh, we'll argue to... next week. Yeah, maybe we will. All right. Maybe, maybe. we will. All right. All right. Yep. Talk to you All later. Right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.